By early June, our federal government had handed out more than $43 billion to over 8.4 million Canadians in just the Canada Emergency Relief Benefit. That's just one program to help Canadians through COVID. When you factor in the rest of the direct support spending, the tally is over $150 billion. And in the cost of protecting us and business, the price tag, $929 billion. The question is, how will we get out from under this mountain of debt? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. A three-month economic lockdown has painted some grim financial numbers for Canada, despite some regions slowly opening up. Canadians were already maxing out their credit with huge debt levels. Now, with an unemployment rate of 13.7%, some are at the breaking point. Let's face it, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. It's not as though a country plans for a global pandemic, although there will be questions about preparedness. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll take a look at that mountain of debt, or canyon of debt, depending on your perspective. What will this mean for Canada's financial future? And could it mean a pivot in a new, a new direction for industries in Canada? Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll talk to economist Jim Stanford. He's with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, as well as the Centre for Future Work. First, we're going to start with Richard Forbes. He's a senior economist with the Conference Board of Canada. And, and Richard, we are in unprecedented times. We're in a recession. From your perspective, how long do you see that going on? Yeah, well, I think, um, f- first of all, thanks for having me, Ed. And um, I think in terms of actual recession, we're going to see um, it technically end after uh, April. Um so the actual worst month of uh, the recession would have been uh, April when everything was shut down. Um, so we do expect the Canadian economy to start to expand again uh, starting in May and throughout the rest of the year. Um, but that is to caution that it's not going to be an immediate recovery. So what we're, what we're thinking is that uh, the economy will bounce back somewhat later this year, but the actual recovery will take uh, quite a bit longer. Finance Minister Bill Morneau says the government won't be hiking taxes to pay for the assistance programs. Now, is that prudent from the board's perspective? Um, I, I think I don't want to comment too much on what Bill Morneau said, but um, I think the broad the broader picture is that the government is taking on um, lots of additional spending. So we'll have to see how they sort of handle it once the pandemic is settled. Um, I think Hiking some taxes is certainly on the table, but um, if the minister said he's not going to hike anything in the short term, then I think we have to believe what the minister is saying. Now, getting people back to work, how how does the federal government incentivize that? Um, Well, first of all, you have to look at province by province. Um, Opening stores is the first thing. Um, So most of the provinces are, are pretty well open now. Um, so we're seeing a lot of retailers uh, bring people back to work now. Um, but in terms of other industries, it's really, uh, I would say, more of a question of consumer confidence than actual anything the government does, if that makes sense, Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what the government does, if the, if the people do not feel safe um, going back to work or or going shopping or anything like that, then we're going to see uh, a much slower recovery than we would like. You know, Richard, I, I'm wondering how does the what weaknesses were were in the Canadian economy that that uh, COVID exposed? Uh, certainly, what we saw um, 
is the retail sector get hit quite a bit. Um, and definitely uh, tourism-related sectors like accommodations, uh, food services. We saw restaurants shut down. Um, air transportation is uh, another one where um, you really wonder when that's actually going to come back because um, airlines have to increase their costs now to implement all these physical distancing measures and whatnot. But also, when are people going to feel safe coming on an airplane again? I, I don't know. That's That could take quite a while. Yeah, again, that's that consumer confidence, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Richard Forbes joining us in the Unpublished Cafe. He's a senior economist with the Conference Board of Canada. As we look at the financial impact COVID has uh, on Canada's uh, economy and how we might be able to get out of it and when we will. Uh, Now, has the board done any forecasting on the numbers, uh, the economic numbers, if a second wave hits? Um, well, right now, what we're what we're thinking is there might be in our forecast now there might be a second wave um, later this year, but we we predict that things will at least remain mostly open. Um, now, if you ask me, I think the pandemic one thing it has made people kind of understand how to deal with the outbreak better. Um, so, if we see a second wave, I think things will mostly stay open. Um, so the actual economic hit probably won't be huge and certainly not as bad as as we saw in March and April. In terms of the economy, it, it seems that you know, and we talked about some weaknesses that were exposed. But I, I'm wondering if if the pandemic doesn't give Canada the ability to pivot away from some parts of its economy, uh, primarily, you know, resource based economy to make it something more self-sustainable. We make our own things. Maybe we uh you know go heavy into into personal protective uh equipment as as a new industry in this country and and becoming a world leader does it do you see that as something this pandemic might bring to us um i certainly think that's possible um you know there's been a lot of talk in this pandemic about uh whether it'll lead to sort of a deglobalization is kind of the the buzzword mm-hmm. um so i think there might be some sort of um movement towards manufacturing like protective equipment and whatnot Um, but it's important to note that um, our manufacturing sector a lot of the goods are just cheaper to manufacture abroad so i don't think the shift will be um super large if that's fair to say so uh, so in, in in other words the consumer is not willing to pay more for something that's made here that's right um i mean we may it's totally possible we see preferences shift and um, people be more willing to pay a little bit of extra money to buy something made in Canada. But well, that remains to be seen. We'll have to see how things shape up over the next year. Do you think this is a time for a discussion about where Canada's economy should be going? Um, I think we have to kind of wait in- until we see how everything settles when the pandemic is done. Um whether there's a second wave later, um, we'll see. Um, but for sure, we have to see how consumers respond to the pandemic, I think, is the key. Um, if people are still worried about their job and they're not spending any money or anything, then we might see industries like retail take a long time to come back. Um, like I was saying, certainly the airline industry um, is going to take a while to come back. So I think it's kind of a wait-and-see approach for most consumers. Um, yeah, could it could it be that a, makes sense. could it be a bit of a silver lining? You know, we we off the top, I was mentioning that uh, Canadians had a, such a, a huge household debt level, and then this came along. 
And well, now that they're either getting CERB or they're not, uh, or they're going back to work, they're probably not outspending. So they are possibly saving. So some of that, do you see that, that level starting to go down a bit or could go down? Uh, well, what we have is we saw the savings rate. So the amount that you save uh, as a proportion of your income actually increased quite a bit since the pandemic hit. Um, now, there's two reasons for that. First is, as you know, you couldn't spend anywhere. You know, it's hard to spend money these days, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of things were closed. And the other side of that is just people just uncertain about their jobs, uncertain about the future. And so they decided to maybe stash a little extra money away uh, in case they lost their job uh, in the coming months. Um, now, what we think is actually people are going to save a little bit more proportion of their income um, throughout the next couple of years too. And that's because I think people will be more aware of the risks surrounding not only the coronavirus, but uh, just general global risks. Um, there's still that sort of impending trade war between the U.S. and China. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of uncertainty around the globe, even beside the pandemic. So what we think is that people will will try to save more money in the short term anyway. Richard, I want to thank you for joining us. All right, Ed. Well, thank you very much for having me. Richard Forbes is a senior economist with the Conference Board of Canada. Now, there could be some heavy lifting before certain parts of the economy can reopen. The pandemic is changing the way businesses will have to adapt, although... It could be costly. Jim Stanford's an economist and the founder for the Center for Future Work. And he joins us now. And Jim, you've written about 10 changes. The pandemic pandemic must change work for good. How was work in Canada before COVID? I think we had some longstanding fissures uh, or fractures, if you like, in the labor market. Uh, Our overall employment numbers didn't look too bad, Ed. Uh, The unemployment rate was relatively low. But when you dug a little bit deeper, I think you saw some emerging stresses and challenges uh, in how work was being organized. A big one would have been the steady expansion in what we call precarious work or various forms of insecure and non-standard employment. You know, rather than the kind of standard permanent full-time job with benefits that was once held up as the norm, uh, you saw more and more Canadians in situations where they didn't know what hours they would be working or maybe they weren't a formal employee, they were established as a kind of independent contractor or even gig worker. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of those changes, I think, were were causing stress in terms of the insecurity of income and the extra uh, challenges that those workers face. Now with the pandemic, those weaknesses have really come to light. More people are working from home today because of the pandemic. Government employees to Shopify, basically keeping everyone home until 2021. Offices uh, will open up uh, at Shopify after that, but most work will remain re- will be remote. Do you think this is a permanent fixture, and should it be? I, I don't think that homework will stay at the current elevated levels. Uh, the data shows about 5 million Canadians doing most or all of their work from home, which is stunning. That triples the amount of homework that was going on before the pandemic. Um, and not all those people are going to keep working at home. I think everybody understands there's there's lots of challenges. It's not an optimal or sustainable way to work. Um, on the other hand, I do think there will be a permanent shift upward. And uh, I think that raises uh, some issues. You know, um, there's certainly opportunities and extra flexibility. A lot of people like working in their pajamas and watching Netflix at lunch, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, On the other hand, there's lots of, uh, I think, risks uh, to make sure that we do homework properly. Uh, We've got to make sure that people are set up well to do their jobs at home rather than just a laptop on the couch. Uh, 
uh, make sure that they're compensated fairly for costs associated, and also protected against uh, some of the risks of working from home, uh, even safety issues, or uh, how do you draw a line at the end of the workday when your work is in your house? Um, that's a challenge. So a lot for us to get our, our heads around. I think we will see some permanent increase in working from home, and I hope that we organize ourselves to do it right. Now, working safely and reconfiguring workplaces, a couple of your ideas in, in your uh, list of 10, uh, 10 changes, the pandemic must change work for good. Uh, will that not put just higher costs in employers, though? Oh, there's no doubt that uh, there's going to be some changes in costs uh, for many industries. And in fact, I suggest, Ed, the, the whole business model of some industries is going to change. Uh, we've seen that, of course, with uh, airlines thinking through how are they going to do business with planes that are uh, socially distanced. Uh, restaurants, of course, have to reduce their capacity. But really, any job where people come in close contact, whether it's with customers or their colleagues or the public at large, is a job that's going to have to be rethought uh, in light of the the pandemic. Um, So that is going to require, uh, I think, um, more space allocated uh, to work and workers. You're not going to be able to have things like, say, a a meatpacking plant where workers just stood there shoulder to shoulder for hours at a time. That's why meatpacking plants ended up being such a terrible site of uh, contagion. Uh, There's also going to have to be a lot of thought put into uh, systems including who walks where and how close they come to others and how shifts get uh, changed, you know, so that you don't have crowds uh, and uh, things like that. Of course, uh, serious attention to personal protective equipment and barriers and uh, cleaning stations and and that kind of thing. So 100%, it means some of the jobs that were kind of cheapened, if you like, by ruthlessly downsizing the amount of space and the time that was allocated to different tasks and you know, kind of treating workers just like like robots rather than human beings, frankly, uh, those are going to have to change. And it means that industries that counted on that approach to labor are going to face higher costs, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, it, you know, the, the, the meat plants in, in Alberta obviously were the, were the, uh, uh, the big issue. And it, it didn't seem, you know, it wasn't until there was too many people who were sick that they actually went in and cleaned, but then they opened up again with really not much change. Yeah, I think that in a way is a, a poster case of what not to do in a situation where you've got community transmission of a disease as we had. It should have been obvious that a meatpacking plant was going to be a very dangerous place. And there was early signs that uh, transmission was occurring at that big Cargill plant in, uh, in Alberta and, and other facilities as well. I don't think either the employer or the government took it seriously. In fact, the uh, the minister responsible in the Alberta provincial government was tweeting that the plant was safe two days before uh, it was closed. That was nonsense. And, and we knew it was nonsense. But because these are low wage workers, a lot of immigrants and new Canadians, uh, it was away from the public eye. So, you know, you didn't have a lot of smartphone videos being taken and so on. Um, they were just kind of left to keep doing their work. And I, I think it was appalling, uh, frankly. And uh, it's a it's a lesson for how we have to look at every job, even the, you know, the sort of downgraded jobs where we haven't treated the people doing the work very well. We have to treat them all as a, a an important job where the worker deserves to be protected. And by the way, public health needs to be protected because no matter, you know, how low wage those workers are uh, or how how much they're kind of um, segregated into communities and neighborhoods uh, where we think 
you know, that's their problem, not ours. The reality is public health depends on everyone being healthy, including uh, those workers. And uh, I think that's going to require a whole change in mindset by employers, by health and safety regulators, uh, and by consumers. I think the pandemic pretty well pretty well shows that. Now, in, in terms of your, your uh, 10 changes, like public sector work you're, you're looking for, and infrastructure spending obviously is solid for the economy, help boost it back up. But the problem with, with that kind of infrastructure spending, it, it only seems to help primarily men in the trades. It seems to leave a lot of others on the outside looking in. Um, yes, I think uh, infrastructure is just one category of uh, the greater role for public uh, mm-hmm. public work and uh, public uh, spending, government spending, as we recover from the pandemic. You know, infrastructure like the big projects for highways and bridges and, and new buildings. And yeah, that, that creates some valuable construction jobs. They are mostly male. That's quite right. Um, but I actually think there's other areas where the public uh, sector's footprint is going to be even more important. Uh, I think we're also looking at a, an increase, a permanent increase in the amount of Canadians working in public services, human and caring services of different kinds. Healthcare, obviously, mm. is one. And there's going to be all kinds of new work uh, around uh, preventing contagion, things like testing and tracing. Those are very labor-intensive tasks that are going to require thousands of new workers. Um, general health care is going to need to be strengthened. The long-term care uh, sector, which has been a catastrophe uh, during this pandemic is going to have to be rebuilt entirely and in, in my judgment should come right under the the medicare system now um so for all those reasons i think you'll see a permanent increase in public service roles not just uh, construction roles okay and that will benefit women uh, women are overrepresented in public services so that will be important in helping women repair the damage that was done in this recession now you also call for income security is this uh, a nod to guaranteed annual income well, possibly. Uh, here's another one where the pandemic just shone a bright, unforgiving light on problems that we had long before we ever heard of COVID. Um, the employment insurance system that has been the centerpiece of our um, income security program for working age people in Canada for uh, you know, 50, 60 years now. Um, that uh, system had holes so big, most Canadians fell through. I mean, even for, again, before the pandemic, most unemployed Canadians didn't get a cent from the employment insurance system that they had paid into because they couldn't qualify because of the, uh, this whole network of rules and qualifying uh, hurdles you had to overcome. And, and the government, uh, as the pandemic hit, realized, gosh, if everyone has to depend on EI, we're sunk. So that's why they rolled out quickly a whole set of new uh, pro- programs, including the, uh, the CERB, that's the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, uh, which in many ways is much better than EI. So the question moving forward now is, um, how do we make those improvements permanent? If we just think that we're going to you know, uh, eliminate the CERB after a certain number of weeks, I know it's been extended now for two more months, mm-hmm. which is important, and I suspect we'll need more. Uh, but at the end of the day, we can't just uh, eliminate it and go back to the EI system the way it was. We're going to need an income protection system that uh, first of all, most people can qualify for. Secondly, does not discriminate on the basis of your employment status. That was one of the problems. You know, we had all these independent contractors and freelancers and gig workers who normally aren't covered by EI. But again, for public health, as well as basic fairness, we have to give them some benefits when uh, when they're displaced. So uh, I think we will have to 
fundamentally restructure our income security program and and for the better. And that could actually be a lasting, you know, silver lining, I guess. I, I hate to use that word when the pandemic's been so terrible, but um, it will force us to improve our income security system. Jim, thanks for joining us. Ed, my pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Jim Stanford's an economist and founder of the Center for Future Work. And that leads us to our unpublished.vote question. How long do you feel the Canadian economy will remain in recession? Six months, 12 months, 18 months, longer than 18 months. You can log on and cast your vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your say. I want to thank Richard Forbes, Senior Economist with the Conference Board of Canada and Economist Jim Stanford, the founder of the Centre for Future Work, for joining us. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.